0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to Time. Oh, and and Attention, the podcast dedicated to helping you become a better, more intentional human being. I'm the host of the show, Chris Bailey. This is episode number 81, How to Plan Your Week.
1: 81 just seems like such a big number. I can't believe we've been doing it this long.
0: Is this the average lifespan? Of what? Of a human? Isn't it like around 81 or 79? I never
1: remember. I think for men, it's around high 70s. Women in Canada, it's low 80s. My, why, it's probably different in the why States. Why is that? I don't know. I think it's a pretty consistent finding, though, across all sorts of contexts that women live longer than their male
0: counterparts. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Do you think it's because they're more social?
1: I don't know. I, mean, I actually think there's been quite a lot of research done on this, and huh. I'm not intelligent or... No, I'm just not versed in that literature. You're not a
0: fast enough Googler. That's what you're not.
1: No, I've got a microphone in my hand.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And Google in the other, a Google-capable device. But anyway.
1: Single-tasking.
0: Welcome back Mm -hmm. to Time and Attention. We thought it'd be fun to start with the books we've read since the last time we recorded. Because this vacation, there, there were like six events that coincided in our lives around the, the time of this vacation, uh, you joined the, the faculty at Carleton University. So now you're now a professor. I am. Yeah. Um, you finished. Well, no, your... actually,
1: technically I'm a lecturer until I defend my oh, thesis, well, but I'm part
0: of the faculty. Technicalities, yeah. technicalities. Yeah.
1: I'm on the tenure track.
0: You'll always be a professor to me.
1: I'll always be smarter than you.
0: Oh, maybe. I don't know. (laughs) That's for for listeners of the podcast. But I'm not
1: (laughs) technically an assistant professor. I'm a lecturer.
0: Uh, Well, okay.
1: For about another month if my defense goes well. Oh. Knock on wood, guys.
0: All right. So first, you became a professor. Uh, Second, you handed in your PhD thesis. I did. Third, we moved to Ottawa. Uh, Fourth, we sold our house where we moved from in Kingston. Five, we celebrated 10 years together as a unit, Mm -hmm. as a couple. Mm-hmm. Uh, or as economists say, unit. Um, I submitted my next book, which we will talk about shortly. But we thought, okay, we just need we just need to not do anything for a period of time here. So we went to an, on a nice trip to Portugal. It's weird traveling right now, but we read a whole lot of books. Yeah. So we thought it'd be fun to to start with the best ones that we've read.
1: Yeah, it was really nice because I mean, finishing the job market last year and finishing my thesis, not a lot of reading time in the. 10 or so months that preceded that trip or any real break time, actually. So having a couple of weeks in between finishing the thesis or submitting it, it's not done. I have to defend it. But yeah. after it's submitted, there's not a lot I can do. <laughs> I can't change it. So um, after that and before starting the job, having a couple of weeks off was pretty nice. And pretty nice. I got a lot of reading done.
0: Yeah. What was the best book you've read in that time? If people are okay. looking for a it's recommendation. It's really
1: hard to pick because yeah. they're all so different. I think... The book I'm currently reading is probably going... This is fiction. It's okay. probably going to be one of the best books I've read in at least a decade. Oh, okay. Um, the Overstory by Richard Powers is just beautiful. Um, and I, I find myself just kind of savoring it because it's just so, so beautiful. And it's so beautifully written that you don't even like notice yourself reading. It's just amazing. Um, and I, I think it's going to very likely be one of the best books I've maybe ever read, but wow. I'm only half done or maybe two thirds done. So... Who knows? Maybe the last third will let me down, and I'll um, I'll want to start or I'll want to take this all back. But That's a I, I big statement. It. I mean, it would not a Pulitzer Prize. I feel like oh. other people have decided it's well, good too. Yeah. But in terms of fiction, that was definitely up there. And then in like nonfiction, I've been dabbling in a lot of different things. I had this whole list of books that I wanted to read before I started as a as a faculty member and started this new phase of my career. Um, and so I've kind of been reading a lot of this like development self. Help, not self-help, but self-development. Oh, what a, what and a, a phrase! Personal I... productivity. Yeah, yeah. not self-help, but the personal professional development. Um, those kinds of books, which included like "Finish" by John Acuff, oh. um, which I think I mentioned actually a little while yeah. ago on the podcast. Um, but it took me a lot longer <laughs> to finish because it was I, I was reading it as I was writing my dissertation, and it just kept getting put to the end. But reading it, finishing it, I, it was a great book. Um, and in the, that kind of space. Another one was um, Couples That Work, which was more about how to navigate career trajectories and family life as a couple, which I think is really Hmm. interesting. And it was by Jennifer Petroglieri. I might be butchering that. That book was really interesting because I don't think a lot of the books in this space really talk about productivity as a couple Hmm. and thinking about like your goals as a a unit, as economists will say, rather than as just separate individuals. And I really like that because I think it's just frighteningly lacking in this whole mm. literature is just books on the fact that people are not productive in a, in a silo. They live yeah. in families and have worlds outside of themselves, which I think is important. Yeah. There were a couple others. Should I go through a couple others that were just kind of like Ra- rapid fire. Books? Maybe, okay. yeah. um, Joyful by Ingrid Faddle Lee oh, was so cool. Yeah. It was all about design and how like the design of your space affects your, basically your happiness and your sense of joy, which I loved. And I'm taking it to heart as I design my office at my
0: office, uh, my new faculty. <laughs> are you going to have a trampoline in there? No. <laughs> or a bouncy castle? The whole
1: time we were reading this book, I was like, Chris, we need to do all these new things to our future house, but not just yet. And then um, Doing Economics by Mark F. Belmar, who is an economist. And I have to just put this book out there because it was just wonderful. If you are an economist hmm. and you are also in academia, this is an, an absolute must read.
0: That is a, a very a thin slice of the population.
1: Yes, I know. But it's so good that I feel like it's worth mentioning for the one person who listens to this. I think that one that person falls in that category is you. <laughs> and maybe my other friends who also listen to this. But maybe. Or, that book was amazing. And then if you're, just a bonus one, Indigenomics by Carolyn Hilton, mm. which is all about um, basically indigenizing the 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 world economy, which was just a beautiful kind of worldview Mm. that I don't think a lot of economists or even policymakers tend to think about um, in in the world. it was just a really Hmm. interesting read. If you're interested in learning about um, indigenous economics.
0: That sounds interesting.
1: Yeah. And you,
0: well, I have a little list here uh, of the ones I've read. I, I will start with my favorites of the bunch. And there are a couple that I did not like. And I will not mention those.
1: <laughs> I didn't mention any of the ones I didn't
0: okay, like. <laughs> yeah. Like if you don't have anything nice to say, why why say it at all? And yeah. why, why waste your time talking about these? I did read a John Grisham book, which I feel is like the perfect, it was the perfect setting for that. The judges list was very good. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Design of Everyday Things, not necessarily a productivity book, but it's about how the world is designed from software to physical products to hardware. And it's just fascinating to think about the... The technical elements of design because we, we so often encounter something that is bad. It's designed very poorly and we can't necessarily articulate why. Mm-hmm. And it's it's nice to see the world from the angle of a designer. Uh, the Moment of Lift by Melinda Gates.
1: No, Melinda oh, oh, Gates. Oh,
0: Melinda Gates. Uh, this is a great book. How Empowering Women Changes the World. That was an incredible book. Mm-hmm. Uh, really, really, really well reviewed. I think Warren Buffett said it was one of the best books he has ever read in his life. And it's about, well, the subtitle says it all, but if you want to learn the intricacies of human development and how we can make more progress with that, really interesting. Everyday Vitality by Samantha Boardman. Uh, Another great book full of tactical advice for uh, living a more vibrant life, I guess. Oh, and the book we mentioned, I think, in the last pod, uh, Why We Love by yeah. Helen Fisher, uh, which all, was also very good. And there are two other... Oh, 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 what's this right here? It's it's the book I'm in the middle of reading, which isn't <laughs> in my red list on Goodreads here. It's called Other Minds, The Octopus, The Sea, and The Deep Origins of Consciousness.
1: So cool. Yeah, it's all about, all about octopuses, octopi. I don't know what the plural of that is. Octopi.
0: Octu- octopuses, uh, I think. <laughs> I think it's octopolises, But it's all about how minds form and what makes us conscious and what consciousness means. And octopuses are, or octopolises as, as I should say, are coming up. That's not how it's okay, pronounced. I, I could... hope nobody takes my word for that. <laughs> but um, some great book recommendations for you all uh, to wade through. I guess uh, if I had to pick one on this list, it might be the moment of lift or the design of, uh, or, or other minds. Let's do the moment Mm. of lift or other minds. I have one chapter left. I feel confident recommending it. If you had to pick one or two. I
1: think joyful is probably the book that would be the most interesting to the widest number of people.
0: Yeah. But what one, what one do you love?
1: I love the overstory, okay. and I'm not even done so okay. if I'm yeah if I'm totally honest, it's just amazing.
0: Well, yeah. wait till you get to the understory, then the book falls apart.
1: I don't think so. I have high hopes
0: we'll we'll have to put a chapter marker in the podcast to delineate these yeah. the, this uh, sub conversation from this, but we are talking about planning our weeks. Mm-hmm. What do you recommend considering for planning a week?
1: Yeah, I think there are you have to kind of think of big picture things and little things. I would call this like a macro view and a micro view, but um, I don't want to overdo the econ talk because people don't like economists. So. You should
0: you should start a spinoff podcast called Econ Talk. Well, I'm daily. sure there are like
1: a hundred versions of that exact podcast. So yeah. all that to say, um, I think, yeah, there are these kind of macro level things that you need to think about in terms of like your big priorities, your long-term objectives, what you value, um, but there's also a lot of micro things like your deadlines and just physical constraints on where you have to be at given times or or meetings that you've committed to. So I think you have to balance both these like commitments in terms of what you've... Deadlines you've promised or even maybe deadlines you promised yourself, but also physical constraints if you have to be at your kid's soccer practice or something, or if you have to be at a, in a room for a physical meeting, you can't book something in a different building 10 minutes later. So. Yeah. Yeah, I think there are some micro and macro things you need to consider and we can break those down. Things to consider when you're setting up your calendar. This is, or planning your week. This is something mm-hmm. I think about a lot I'm really think mindful of workflows and I it's something I'm just kind of obsessed with right now in my own work. Um, but thinking about the appointments and the meetings that you have to be in. So these are kind of, you have to plan around those, right? If you're planning far enough ahead of time, you can make sure those appointments and meetings happen in times that are the least disruptive to whatever workflow you kind of follow. I mean, I try to bunch all of my appointments and meetings into particular days, or if I can't put them all in one day, I'll put them at like specific times of day. I mean, it's very easy to just suggest times to other people that work for you if you're kind yeah. of motivating a meeting.
0: One one line that I have found uh, that works in the sand for my work and again, take what works for you, leave the rest. But for meetings, uh, I am far more inclined to say no to a meeting than I am to agree to a meeting at a time that I don't want to do it. Uh, simply because the context switches between meeting mode, it's the whole maker and manager schedule uh, where some of us... I think this is an idea that Paul, Paul Graham... Uh, Peter Graham, Uh, some venture capitalist came up with, or at least he framed it this way, where some of us are makers and we code all day, we design all day, we write all day. And one meeting in the afternoon can throw off our entire day because it suddenly divides our day into two chunks, Mm -hmm. Uh, where managers are used to meetings, Their, their life revolves around them in fact. And so one extra meeting, the marginal cost, as you say, Arden, um, is very, very low for a manager where it's quite high for a maker. Mm-hmm. And for those of us who find ourselves somewhere in the middle where we have to manage projects, we have to manage commitments, but we also have to create, uh, I find it's a, that's a fine line uh, to take for, for me at least, but do take what works for you and leave the rest.
1: Oh yeah. And this this gets back to this idea of switching costs and something mm, that you should be yeah. really mindful of when you're not just planning your week, but also planning when you're going to do when you're in your week. Um, it's really mentally difficult to bounce between different ta- kinds of tasks or different projects all day. So I find that I really try to batch projects, batch tasks so that I'm not switching across different projects. I used to in my calendar. So like even last year I would have kind of one paper for a couple of hours then switch to TA prep or something and then switch to a different, entirely different project. And that is just a recipe for disaster. And now I've gotten much better. And I'll basically try to set aside like a whole day for one specific project. And I might do different tasks related to that project. So today, for example, I was reading papers and then also doing updating some code for a specific paper. But that was part of my plan is to all be really in that headspace.
0: And that's because of a phenomenon called... uh Oh, what is it? Attentional residue. Have you heard of this? Yes,
1: Uh, I have heard uh, of this.
0: I I think it was coined by Sophie Leroy. And she found that when we switch from one task to another, uh, there is a bit of remnants of the previous task that are still active in our working memory as we switch to the next thing. And so because a part of us is always thinking about what just came before, we find it more difficult to immerse ourselves in what we're doing in the moment. I think, you know, complexity is is definitely a factor. Time is also a factor. Uh, the more time pressure we're under to get something done, the less of a switching cost we will incur when we switch to a different thing. But also complexity, of course. You know, I find, you know, speaking of books, speaking of novels, uh, I find that I can't read two fiction books at the same time mm. because the complexity... And the crossover between the different things uh, is is far too much for my small mind to handle. Uh, but for uh, nonfiction books, that's no problem. It's just a series of facts, and to connect them between the books is not a challenge. So I think you know that's kind of the when when different elements of different projects can cross over and be conflicting or uh, complementary with one another. I think that introduces a bit more complexity, but that's getting it into the weeds, I I suppose.
1: (laughs) Interesting. Yeah. I've never found that with fiction. I'm going to have to think about that a little bit. You can read
0: more than one uh, fiction book at a time.
1: Yeah. I'm currently reading more than one fiction book at a time.
0: That's probably because you're more emotionally intelligent than I am.
1: I have no idea. Yeah. Yeah. Really, really interesting. Anyway, The other thing, and this kind of is related, I mean, this idea of deadlines pushing and then time pressure affecting how quickly you can switch, um, deadlines are the other thing you need to consider. So there's appointments and meetings, but there's also deadlines, right? These are If you've promised something to either yourself or to other people, you need to be aware of that. And so if you're not tracking what you're saying you're going to do by a certain date... Um, you should start doing that. <laughs> so all that to say, um, deadlines are the next thing you need to really be thoughtful of when you are planning your planning your week or your month or your year or whatever it is, uh, whatever level you, these, you plan on.
0: These are the rocks in the jar. Yeah. You've heard that story, right? No, I don't think I no? have. No? Oh, I've heard this story so, so many. I'm so this tired with, like, of hearing the this story. like the rocks in
1: the sand. Oh, yeah, and, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. So i this.
0: I'll recount it very quickly. Yeah. So feel free to hit that 30-second skip button, and hopefully it's obvious that I'm done telling this damn story because I've heard this <laughs> damn story like 50,000 times. So there's a professor who's teaching a class, and he's about time management, let's say. And he pours a bunch of uh, rocks into a jar, and right to the brim of this jar, Arden, right mm-hmm. to the brim. Yep. And he asked people, the class, is this jar full? And they say, yeah, it's full of rocks. But then, like you were saying, he gets the sand out, you see, uh, and he pours the sand into the jar. And yes, it's full. You know, it, it takes all the space between the rocks and the class is on to him now. Uh, and uh, they say, no, it's, it's not full and then he he fills the rest of the jar with the tears of everybody who's ever heard this damn story. <laughs> and and once he does, he asks, is it full? And people say yes.
1: Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, you say that the, the rocks in that story are kind of the most important things, yeah, right? Yeah. The things that are not movable.
0: That you don't want to compromise on. That you on. don't want to
1: compromise yeah. on. And so that's not the same as like appointments and meetings in general. You can put those at a time that is more convenient for fitting in the bigger picture, more Mm. important stuff, right? And this is something I've gotten much better at where I will really push back on having meetings, taking up multiple different parts of my day rather than just kind of time blocking a meeting section of the day or, or whatever. I'm lucky in the fact that I have the ability to do that. But even when I was at the government, there's a lot of... I mean, that was where I feel like the epitome of a job where you don't have a lot of autonomy. That's the
0: opposite end of the autonomy <laughs> spectrum, I think. Yeah.
1: Um, Even then, though, you can recommend times that work for you, right? I mean, just saying, one works for you. I'm free all week. That's a terrible oh, idea. Oh, man. Nobody no. likes getting those emails because it's just so vague. 7 a.m. Them,
0: on Monday. Yeah.
1: Give them three <laughs> choices that work really well for you. And if none of them work, say... But please feel free to suggest another option. Like, of course, be accommodating. Don't be don't be a jerk. Don't say I, I'm really aggressive about my time. You can just make recommendations, and people tend to pick yeah. the defaults that you recommend.
0: Life hack: Don't be a jerk. Don't
1: be a jerk. So, all that to say, you can work these appointments and meetings and stuff if you plan ahead. Which gets me to the actual nitty gritty of oh, this, right?
0: The micro, the understory. I
1: guess so. Yeah. So, I mean. I tend to plan not just at a weekly level. I try to kind of also plan like at a monthly and for me a semester kind of planning. Mm. So I have things that I want to accomplish each, each term or each semester just because that's the way my work cycle works. Um, and so for me, it, on the kind of week to week basis, I usually plan my next week the week before. So at the end of the week on Fridays or maybe on Saturdays, I will plan out the next week. I used to do this on Sundays, but I've been doing it a bit more on Fridays now. Mm. Um, although this is not a hard rule, I don't want to act like I have it all perfectly set up. Usually I do it on the Friday before.
0: In my eyes, you do.
1: I'm way better at managing my calendar than you, but that's because you have somebody who does it for that's you.
0: I don't do it. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm also very, actually very bad oh, at like it. Like,
1: hilariously bad at it. Um, even the very few little social things that you add to our calendar, it'll just be on the wrong week or the wrong time zone or the wrong day. I don't
0: like calendars.
1: Yeah. I don't. So my poor Poco well, is just.
0: I don't like... Well, this is a whole vendetta I have against time management in general. Uh, the the recent upgrade in, in Mac OS ten it forces you to have a clock. You used to be able to not have a clock, and I really? used to be able to, to not have a clock on really anything and not see one or hmm. just kind of get alerts when I needed to be somewhere uh, at the time that I needed to know that I would need to be at somewhere. I always hmm. know the time now. It sucks.
1: Well, I'm sorry for you. All I have to say, <laughs> when I do do my weekly planning... Um, the nice thing is because of the way I set up my work uh, or my workflow, most of my week is already kind of planned ahead of time. So I mm. will already, I mean, when I commit to something, so say I'm talking with a co-author or a colleague and I say, oh yeah, I'll do this thing for you. I almost immediately add it to my calendar. So I'll set aside time to for that specific thing. And so once there's a mm. time block, we've talked to a time blocking before in the podcast,
0: mm-hmm.
1: Um once there's a time block in my calendar, I, it's basically, it has to stay in there and it doesn't get deleted. Hmm. So it might get moved if I have to move things. for other, move the whole block. But I move the whole block.
0: Okay.
1: Um, and so I, as soon as I commit to something, I've now gotten into a habit of immediately adding it into my calendar. And if I, for whatever yeah. reason, can't, I'll add it into things. And in my weekly review, when I plan out a week, um, things is a kind of to-do list app that you, I have on my phone. We've and talked. To, things yeah. with everything.
0: Yeah. Um. I we, we love things. We
1: do love things. But as soon as I I add that in, I immediately add that into my calendar. Once I do my like weekly review and weekly planning session. So, um, this really makes sure that I prioritize the many different projects that I have going on. <laughs> Um, because between planning out my week and and planning out my semester and my year to make sure that I prioritize things, but also having my calendar as kind of the focal point where I've set aside time to work on all of those things, I make sure I I balance my big picture priorities and also kind of like the immediate deliverables. And this seems to work really well for me, but nice. time blocking is just my my world and my calendar is everything in i thought my you life.
0: said i i was
1: you are but my like workflow world is all based on my calendar
0: i, I have only a few things to add i, I think mm-hmm. you, you hit the nail on the head like the uh, and i feel we so when we're bogged down we tend to focus more on the micro but the ironic thing is the opposite impulse Will serve us more in circumstances like that, because the more bogged down we are on the day to day, the more we need to focus on the macro, the overstory, the high level uh, projects that we're in the middle on in, uh, of in the first place uh, to fix the overall architecture of our situation, given the amount of autonomy we have with uh, our workload level. Uh, But it's it's kind of the ironic thing with time management. But yeah, just a few things to add. Uh, I I do consider a few things, and it it was fun to put this episode together uh, because I I found a bunch of things that I subtly or habitually think about uh, that I didn't really realize that I do that I've kind of settled into a habit of considering at the start of each week. Uh, The first of which is the caffeine level. What caffeine level will serve me the most? Uh, If I need calm, I I might cut out caffeine. Or if I want to focus on something, I might just have more coffee.
1: Yeah, this is actually related to... That reminded me of two things uh, that I didn't mention. So one of the other things that you should probably think about or consider when you're planning out your week is your biological prime time, right? So related to caffeine and how caffeinated you want to be for certain days or tasks or whatever, um, think about your biological prime time, right? I mean, think about when you should schedule different activities to plan your week. And I guess I should also say this is assuming you do plan your week. Maybe you don't plan it at all, but just to add biological prime time in there too.
0: Yeah, And I also consider how much scatter focus time, how much mind-wandering time I need. Uh, If I'm in the middle of more creative projects, uh, I'll definitely schedule more time for that, schedule walks and workouts. Uh, I'll think of what projects I need to focus on versus need more space. Uh, that can inform what I said uh, I'll think about the number mm-hmm. of days I need to work, which is something that not enough of us think about and we have so much unused vacation as a as a modern uh, work <laughs> society uh, and that's a mistake because vacation really can uh, charge us up. Um, I think about what meetings I can cancel looking at the week ahead uh, that have somehow fallen on my calendar because I'm terrible at managing that. Um, and I think about the weekly intentions that I want to set. You know, we talk about the rule of three, or at least I talk about the rule of three quite often. Mm-hmm. Uh, the th- I set three weekly intentions and I make sure that the daily intentions that I, that I set feed into those weekly ones. And so I consider those as well.
1: And maybe those uh, daily intentions and weekly intentions feed into a bigger picture,
0: yeah. right? You would hope, you would hope, which feed into values, which is uh, what we talked about last one.
1: And this, I mean, this whole episode is really intended to be a kind of just get you thinking about like actually planning a week ahead of time. A lot of people don't do this and they just kind of respond to whatever they need to do. But if you are working towards specific objectives or big picture things... Planning ahead of time can can kind of help you set up for success.
0: And and do evaluate how helpful you find these ideas to be. Yeah. Uh, So I I know a trap I've fallen into uh, consuming productivity stuff in the past is I would just kind of do everything without that loop around the doing, uh, considering whether it was serving me. Mm-hmm. And so do, you know, there's a lot of stuff. I'm, I think if the average person did every single thing we talked about, that would like be the first four hours of the day, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and so a bunch of ideas, bunch of suggestions, as always, take what works for you and leave the rest. But hopefully uh, the, the potpourri of ideas serve as, uh, as food for thought.
1: Yeah, and it'll probably look different for you than it does for us. We both have very different approaches to planning our week, um, and that's okay.
0: Never. It must look like ours. But mm-hmm. that's what you get with uh, time and attention. No. No, that's not what you get, but we appreciate you. Yeah. And we appreciate you tuning in to another episode, episode number 81, in fact. All right. Wow. Yeah. We skipped some time. We've been doing this a long time. Are we? Are we seasoned? Podcast hosts, I don't know. I don't think so. I don't feel like it. I think you need to do it more than every two weeks. Yeah. Time and attention. Dot FM is where you can find the show notes for this particular episode. Uh, we'll have all the books that we mentioned listed in those show notes as well. Uh, also, in the show notes of your podcast player, you can find the chapters in there too. I guess it's too late to skip around, but uh, thank you for coming. <laughs> People can't skip over the book thing. The book nope. conversation. Good recommendations, though. I feel I feel there's a big overlap between this podcast and people who enjoy reading. Hopefully. Hopefully. If not, sorry. Sorry. Sorry for those 10 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> but hope you have a wonderful week. Time and attention.fm is where you can find the show notes. I've said that. We'll see you in a couple Tuesdays. Bye.